The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mary Rowland, who is a well-known financial writer. Her latest book is called The New Common Sense Guide to Your 401k, Rebuilding Your Portfolio from the Bottom Up. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thanks, Jordan. It's nice to be here. Sure. Just give people a bit of background on uh, what you've been doing and what kind of things you've been writing about before you got to this book. Oh, um, well, I, I've been, I, I work for myself. I've been an um, independent writer for Oh, more than more than twenty years, maybe twenty-five years. I did uh, six of those. I wrote a uh, weekly personal finance column for the Sunday New York Times, and I've written for most business publications, Fortune and Forbes and Money and Worth, and and the women's magazines um, like Family Circle and Woman's Day and USA Today and and those types of things. Very good. Uh, what, what was the need for this book? I mean, there have been other 401k books before. Why was, did you think that there was a need for uh, one uh, in today's market? Well, I wrote a book on 401ks 10 years ago, and it was really well, well received and you know, got good reviews and everything. And my editor, actually the publisher at Bloomberg Press, wanted me to update it. And as it happened, it was it was torturous to do it because the last I was writing over this last year of the market debacle, but the timing turned out to be great because it's just it's coming out now when you know things are the 401k plans had lost I think 25 percent in 2008 and then it, from the end of 07 to March 2009 it was over 30 percent. So it was, you know, 401ks were hit, participants were hit really badly. So I think it's a good time for a fresh start. Let's go back to the uh, beginning of 401ks. I mean, 401k is kind of a weird name for a major yeah. retirement account. Right. Where, where does that name come from, and, and how did this whole idea uh, for pre-tax savings start in the first place? Well, it, it, the first plan was introduced in 1981. And the, as you know, 401k refers to the section of the IRS code that allows these plans. There's 401, and then in 1978, the K clause was added. And it was an arcane thing. It wasn't intended to be what we think of now as the 401k. It was thanks to Ted Benna, one benefits consultant, making this sort of, taking a, you know, a risk, leap and, and setting up a plan like this to see if it would pass muster, and it did. And so give us a sense of the growth of the whole 401k market. How much is in assets now compared to when it started uh, back then? Oh, wow. Um, well, it's now $3 trillion with 50 million participants. 
and it, but it, it did, you know, it, maybe in the first half of the 80s, it grew sort of slowly. But then in the late 80s, and then with the bull market in the 90s, it just exploded. And of course, as you know, companies were eager to get rid of their defined benefit plans. I don't think that was the intention initially, but then when they saw that there was a way that they could plan for workers' retirement in a cheaper way than with the DD plan, they were happy to do it. So how do things, the 401k is a so-called defined contributions plan because people right. contribute to them as opposed to defined benefit where they don't have to contribute but they get a certain benefit. How do the two of them stack up? There's, If there's $3 trillion in 401ks now, how much is there in defined benefit and how do the two uh, equate? You know, I don't know, I don't know that number. I don't know if that number is available because as you know, the way the defined benefit plan works is that the employee earns a certain amount of pension. It's based on years of service, final salary, and you know it, there's a formula. And when you retire after 30 years or 35 years, you get your benefit is defined. And the company has to come up with that money, whether they set aside enough or not. And with the 401k plan, of course, the, it, they're defining your contribution rather than the benefit. And so the benefit could be thousand dollars a year or eighty thousand dollars a year but in general defined benefits are declining and the assets in them are declining and the certainly the number of plans is declining. probably haven't been a new one formed in quite a while whereas 401ks continue to grow partly because people are putting money into them on an ongoing kind of basis that's right I think I saw some figures in the latest um, 401k report that Hewitt does that 17 percent of their of the companies they surveyed dropped defined benefit plans this during this past year. Now, are 401ks getting better or worse? I mean, some would argue that lately they've been getting worse and that a lot of companies have been dropping uh, the match that they used to have um, and uh, to some extent dropping the number of options uh, that are inside the 401ks. What is your sense of the kind of 401ks that are being offered and the plans and are they getting better or worse in today's economy? Well. That's a, I, that's a tough question. I think that when initially when they started in the 1980s and the 90s, they were just it was just the golden era. Uh, you know, the media couldn't say enough good things about how wonderful they were. They would teach people how to invest and have control over their destiny. And I think that that's when the plans really got fat in the sense that they added more and more bells and whistles to the plans didn't watch expenses very carefully, and participants ended up paying way too much for the plan. That, that I think, is the most valid criticism I've heard of the plans is that they cost too much. And I think now, uh, interestingly, in the last year, just you know, over a year, since the economy has been so bad and people lost money and all of these things have happened, I think that they're, they're getting starting to get better now because they're really under the the spotlight. And there's a lot of criticism of the plans and of the investment options. And I think that they will see more reforms going into this next year because of that. Is one of the reasons behind doing this book to help people uh, to do their asset allocation? Because it, my general sense, I may be wrong, is that companies are pretty loath to give advice because they don't want to have liability if something goes wrong. Although there have been some recent rule changes there allowing 
uh, companies to give advice uh, without having liability. What is your sense of kind of the kind of advice that employees need and what what they're getting these days? Well, you bring up a great point. Uh, the uh, 2006 Pension Reform Act, which was the most important pension act since ERISA in 1975, put a lot of a lot of new measures about education, more online education, more you know all kinds of education for participants, and specifically, they the government encouraged employers to provide one-on-one advice sessions for participants with a financial advisor, which, you know, that's, that's almost revolutionary. So has that been happening since that law? Are more people... Well, you always ask the right questions, Jordan. <laughs> that, that, as you know, when something is, becomes law, it isn't implemented right away because the Treasury Department, or in this case, the Department of Labor, has to write regulations on defining who, what, what advisor, how would you define the advisor who would be qualified to give this 401k advice? And the Department of Labor came out with some regulations at the beginning of 2009, defining it very broadly. You could be a broker, or a financial advisor, you know, you could be attached to a brokerage in order to qualify to give this advice. And then immediately the House of Representatives came up with a bill defining it so much more um, stringently, saying that, in fact, you have to be a a fiduciary, an independent um, IRA that does not give, I'm sorry, RIA, that does not get any money from products that you sell. And so that has been bouncing back and forth all year, and the Department of Labor finally withdrew its regulations, and now they're expecting that, you know, any any time, any day or, or month, there will be some regulations on that. And that's a very interesting area, I think. So in the meantime, while Congress and the Labor Department are battling each other, what's happening in the real world as far as getting advice to employees on how to allocate their assets? I, I think that the companies have, in this um, Hewitt survey that I mentioned, companies have... have done a lot more to get information to employees. They, they have online sessions, they have you know, their uh, company intranet, but, and in fact, I think 29% of the firms were offering one-on-one advice for, um, for plan participants, even though the specifics of that haven't been defined. And so I do think that, that companies are, are really trying to get up to speed on that. And is it working? Are employees getting good advice? And I mean, were they in better shape when they went through the, the traumas of 2008 and 2009 to, to handle it? I don't. I don't think that any of us were ready for that. Do you? No. <laughs> I mean, I, I. I just. I think, and that was a really. That was the most difficult thing about writing this book is that I. I got the contract in August of 2008. And I started out with, you know, all the tried-and-true advice, buy and hold, rebalance. And then the market crashed in the last quarter of 2008. And in January, I just ripped up my manuscript and started over because it you probably remember, it was really iffy. You know, is, is the tried-and-true advice still going to hold? What's going to happen? Are we going to be wiped out? Yeah. So I, I think that that, I don't, I don't think anyone was prepared for that. And I think it was 
really depressing for most people. I talk to people at mutual fund, mutual fund managers, all kinds of people who were selling in March, you know, at the bottom when the, when the Dow was 6,000-something. So I don't know if, I mean, I don't think anyone, I, I don't think anyone could give the information necessary to get through that. I guess the question is, is are, are people, because of that experience, are people wiser or more cautious? And I, I wonder if they are, because it, even though it was so terrible, it did bounce back. It did indeed. Although a lot of people probably haven't learned the full lessons they needed to from such a traumatic right. experience. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, my guest this hour is Mary Rowland, uh, whose new book is called The New Common Sense Guide to Your 401k, Rebuilding Your Portfolio from the Bottom Up. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mary Rowland, 
a financial journalist who's written for most of the major publications. Her latest book is called The New Common Sense Guide to Your 401k, Rebuilding Your Portfolio from the Bottom Up. Welcome back to the show, Mary. Thanks, Jordan. You talk in the introduction about the sky is falling. Uh, what do you mean by that as it relates to 401ks? Well, have you caught me? <laughs> have you caught me unawares, Jordan? The sky is falling. I don't say what I mean by that. Well, page 14, you go into the whole thing about how uh, people don't really know what they're getting into with 401ks. The costs are much higher than before. Okay. All of okay. that. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that what we, as we talked about in the first segment, when when um, the press had only wonderful things to say about 401k plans and all that they would do for people, they, the plans were getting worse and worse. As as you know, being in in the media for a long time, Jordan, that the, the press kind of moves like a herd, and they you know when one says that something's wonderful, then everyone goes with it, and so. People just made more and more money, and I don't think participants were well served. And I think now that this, we've had this collapse, that it's turning around the other way. I think everyone is, you know, the target date funds had a really big problems last year, and I think that a lot of, of people are going to work on this. They, that, was, that was an awful, you know, PR thing for people to lose so much of their retirement money, and I think we'll see a lot of reform. Okay, you talk in the beginning of the book about uh, not expecting a gold watch anymore and management's not a, a career choice. For somebody starting out their career today, what should they be expecting realistically uh, between now and when they retire in, in their uh, working years as far as how much money they'll be able to build up in retirement and w what should be a proper expectation uh, for today's career? Yeah, that's a tough question, too. I, when I wrote, I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, 10 years ago, I wrote the initial 401k book. And when I wrote that, I was, uh, experts were saying that you should expect five to seven career, not career changes, I'm sorry, but job changes in, in your life. Someone going into business should expect that. And now I think that, it, it, you know, it's, it's not even that solid and stable in that I think a lot of people will be just working as consultants or freelancers or you know, self-employed people because corporations are shrinking. And so it's going to be, I think everyone will be spending at least some of their life working for themselves or working in a you know, startup company. Now, there have been some new innovations in 401ks. Uh, there are uh, Roth 401ks and single employer 401ks. Is that correct? And, and are those starting to make a major impact? Well, the Roth, you, know, you know there's a big news in the Roth um, this year in that they've taken off the um, conversion limits. So anyone can convert to a, from a Roth, uh, from a Roth 401k to a, or I'm sorry, from a regular 401k to a Roth 401k or from an IRA to a Roth IRA. <laughs> But um, I, yeah, I think that the the Roth is. I don't. I don't know that it's taking new money. You know, I don't know that people who didn't contribute before would contribute because of the Roth. But I think that there's a lot of activity now in that because of this one year. Well, the the conversion, lifting the ceiling on on income for conversions is permanent, but it's just for this one year of 2010. 
that you can split your tax in two and pay it in 2011 and 2012. I'm sorry, I need to back up from there. Well, if you convert from a, a Roth, from an IRA or a 401k to a Roth, you you have to pay taxes. The money that you have is has you haven't paid taxes on yet, so you would have to pay taxes on it. So you think that's a good idea to do that to convert Pardon this me? year? You think it is a good idea to do that conversion in 2010? Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I have to look at all the benefits of the Roth. That I, I think if it were just, you know, having your money tax deferred so that you pay tax on it later, versus having the money taxes already paid on the money, that would be such a tough call. It might even just come up even. But there are so many advantages to the Roth, the Roth IRA, in that you don't ever, you don't ever have to start taking minimum distributions. You can continue to contribute you know, as long as you work. And there are uh, many estate planning benefits as well. It's not, you know, the, the money doesn't need to be withdrawn like in a regular retirement account over your lifetime because the taxes have already been paid. So, uh, and this is an unusual year, year to be able to do that. And then how about single uh, person uh, IRAs and, and 401ks, particularly uh, 401ks? Is that, that Started about a year or so ago as well. Is that caught on? Yeah, I don't have I don't have um, statistics on that. I, I and I, I I'm not sure what's the, what the advantage of that is. I mean, how in in other words, how do you get if it's only you, you have to be incorporated in in order to get the match? Yeah, and that's the way it works. It's it's for a, a person of a company of one basically, for entrepreneurs who are starting their own businesses, they can now do. 401ks, where in the past it was had to be bigger businesses, is basically the idea of that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would it would be interesting to compare that to I'm I'm self-employed and I have a you know IRA SEP. The limits are pretty much the same as with a 401k, and I'm the only one putting money into it. So I I don't know how it would be an advantage to me to have a 401k, but I'll look into it, Jordan. Basically, it's the pre-tax uh, nature of of it as opposed to after-tax, you know. That's the way it would work. Now, you have a chapter here on will you get anything from Social Security. Um, mm -hmm. How should people plan uh, on Social Security and, and whether they're going to be getting something from that in the future? Well, I think that everyone should send in. You can go out and do it online and find out what your, you know, what your estimated benefits are, how much you've contributed, what your estimated benefits are, and keep, keep track of that. And make sure that you that your um, income is posted every year to that you know, to your benefits and, and earnings. And I, what what will we get from it? That's I, I'm sort of pessimistic about that. What do you think? Well, the demographics show that that it's, it's going to go broke, and maybe sooner rather than later. I mean, right, lately, uh, because payrolls have been cut, the amount of money going into Social Security is a lot less than they'd projected. And the expenses are growing because the baby boomers are now starting to retire. So I think all of the predictions they had in the future are being advanced dramatically <laughs> sooner. Uh, That's bad news. The uh, income to Social Security is coming down. The expenses are going up at a faster rate on both sides. People are retiring yeah. earlier and taking the money at 62, even though it may hurt them in the long run because they don't have any other money. I, I think I saw some numbers recently. 39% of those receiving Social Security... It's their only source of income at all. And, I, I, I saw that, too, just the other day. Yeah. And so 
if you're if you hit 62, you don't care if you're going to get you're just doing that to survive. So exactly. social security system is is getting taxed with more beneficiaries sooner, while its income is going down because payrolls are being cut. So that seems to me being advancing the coming demise of social security. Well, I yes, I would I would agree with that. I wonder. Uh, I I read I I keep reading two different two different sides of this. Like you say, a lot of people were outsourced or, or you know, laid off or whatever whatever uh, nuance we could we could give that and have just were forced to take social security they had nothing else on the other hand a lot of people a lot of stories i've been reading are that pe- people are planning to work much longer in fact a very large percentage of people are expected to work or expect themselves to work into their 60s and even their 70s if they can get the work yeah if they can get the work right right <laughs> In many cases, it's hard because there's age discrimination, even though people don't talk about that. Speaking of age, you have a chapter here talking about how it's important to start early uh, saving your 401k. What is the difference between starting at, say, age 25 and age 35? How much can that add up to over a longer period of time? Well, it can add up to a lot. As, as you know, there are, are figures that show that if someone started saving at age 25 and saved until age 35, and if we compared that to someone who, you know, didn't start until they were 45 and saved until 55, there's just there's no comparison between those numbers. The, the time is really your biggest asset if you're a young person to get the money in and and have it compounding earlier rather than later is you may, you may not earn a lot of money, but you do have time. And you have a number here that at an 8% return, if you start at age 25, putting $1,000 a month in, you'll end up with about 260000 by the time you retire, whereas starting at age 45, you'd only have 45000 just to give you a kind of dramatic difference between that. Right. So having time really does, uh, does add up uh, for you pretty dramatically. So as far as um, the allocations in 401ks, um, people, some companies have many, many choices. Some quite, have, have quite a few a limited number of choices. How should people make uh, the asset allocation decision uh, based on where they are uh, age-wise and uh, uh, risk tolerance-wise, and and what are some of the other factors in making those allocation decisions? Well, as you know, Jordan, these target date funds have become really the fastest-growing type of fund in a 401k plan, and they did suffer during the market when the market fell apart because every asset category fell apart at the same time. But I think that there's a lot of work going on with those funds to make them better. And I do think that, like, I know Vanguard is doing a lot of work on their target date funds, and they they say that they really believe that that is the best place for a uh, 401k participant of any age to put their money. And I, I think that Another, I just read a story the other day, you probably did too, about how the ways that some people use them improperly because they're not, if you're going to use a target date fund, you don't want to set up an asset allocation and have a, the target date be you know, 25 or 50%. The target date really is the asset allocation. And by mixing it with other funds, you're, you're really diluting it. There was a lot of criticism of target date funds, which basically say, uh, the further out you go, uh, the more aggressive you're going to be. The closer you are to retirement, the more conservative you're going to be. And they had a lot of 
2010 target date funds that fell just as sharply as other funds, right. um, and therefore didn't really deliver in the way people people thought. Absolutely, that that has I think has been really controversial, and I think that we'll see a lot of work done on those in 2010. That they'll be you know, vastly improved because if if they were really good, it would be great. For Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mary Rowland, whose new book is called The New Common Sense Guide to Your 401k. We'll be back after this. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well-being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on 7th Wave Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. That's our show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mary Rowland, 
whose new book is called The New Common Sense Guide to Your 401k. Welcome back to the show, Mary. Thanks, Jordan. We've talked about uh, putting money in. Let's talk a little bit about getting money out of 401ks. While you're still working, uh, people are taking loans against 401ks. Just briefly maybe go over some of the rules of loans and what some of the things that people might be doing wrong in that area. Well, okay. The the loan provisions vary, of course, from company to company. But in this report that I've mentioned, this new report on 401ks for 2009, showed that most companies, an overwhelming percent, do offer loans. And some of them allow you to have two loans out at a time, for example. Some that are more restrictive might only allow you to borrow for a house, and others might let you borrow for anything. And then you, you, when you have the money out, you pay interest. You pay yourself interest that goes into the account while, you ha- while you're borrowing the money. However, there is a kind of a, of a snag there in that while you have the money out, that money is not... It, you've taken the money out, um, pre-tax money, and then you, if you spend it and put it back in... So you've paid tax on it, and you have to pay tax on it again. Am I clear on that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's you know that's something. But although in the past year, I think most people haven't haven't been able to be so, um, you know, tread so finely on whether they're going to make a loan or not. Because for a lot of people, that was it. They made a loan, or you know, they had no money. And what happens when you leave a company, either voluntarily or involuntarily, and you have a loan outstanding against your four hundred one k? Yeah, that's. A big, that's a really big trap, and that might have happened to some of your listeners. You, the money is due immediately, and if you don't pay it back, then it's considered a, that, if, that you withdrew it and that you have to pay tax plus a 10% penalty. Is your sense that a lot of people understand that when they take out these loans? I don't think so, no. I, and I think maybe, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of them found out in this past year because I felt so many of the people I talked with were just desperate. They just, you know, they just had nowhere to go for money. And if they could take a loan from their 401k plan, they certainly would. I, w- I would have if I had one. And and then if you get laid off a couple of months later, you know, you're it's even you're even in worse shape because you have to pay all that back immediately. Well, they actually withhold it, right? They withhold typically 20% um, of that uh, in taxes. And the penalties, so that uh, they know you get, they've got the money. A lot of people always object to that, but that's the way it works. But so. if you've taken a loan, you wouldn't. If you've taken a loan, you wouldn't have withdrawn it. You wouldn't be subject to the penalty until you lose your job. That's what I'm saying. Though, when you lose your job, or when you leave the right. company, and right. the full amount that you borrowed becomes due, and you don't okay, have the money yeah. to do it, they're going to withhold 20% of it right on the that's, spot. That's exactly right. Yeah, and that surprises an awful lot of people who think they're going to come up with the money from someplace else, uh, usually doesn't work that way. Right. Uh, so a lot of people are quite surprised. That's the worst possible time to be having to repay exactly. a huge debt is when you just lost your job. <laughs> it happens right. to people all the time. Um, you also talk about lump sums and right. uh, how you can take lump sums out of your 401k. Is that normally a good idea to do? You mean when you leave a, when you leave your employer? Yes. Uh-huh. Or do you mean when you retire? When, when you're retiring... Uh, you know, you can take a lump sum in your 401k and, and you know, use it for your retirement, roll it over. Is that normally a good thing to do, or is it better to leave it in the 401k after you've left the company? 
Yeah, that's that's a um, sort of complex question because what you don't want to do is just take it out and spend it. You know, pay tax on it and spend it. Um, if you take the lump sum, you should definitely roll it into an IRA so that your money is continued to be protected from taxes. It, leaving it in the company plan, I've heard some arguments for that in that sometimes companies give uh, the participants of a plan a, a break on, on annuities perhaps that, that they might get from the plan or uh, different things that the company offers. They, they will sometimes give a, a retired person who still has money in, the, in a plan the same treatment as, as employed people. But those, those deals are sort of going away with, you know, our, the economy is just tightening so much that I, would, I think I would be careful about leaving it in the plan because of all the companies that have run into trouble. I, it would be nervous-making, I think, if your company ran into financial distress and you had your money there. So you're saying instead of keeping it in the company after you've left, the best thing is to roll it over to an IRA at an independent brokerage firm or bank or something, and then you have control of it and not have to worry about the company before. Is that what you're saying, basically? Uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I think. I think the, I guess I thought initially what you were asking was, should a person, when they retired, choose a lump sum or an annuity? And, uh-huh. But that, that wasn't the question you were asking. Correct. <laughs> um, so you're saying you should take it out from your company, roll it into an IRA rollover, and then... Uh, you have a chapter on so-called RMDs, Required Minimum Distributions. Explain briefly how that uh, works uh, when you have to come to the right age. Yeah, when you, when you come to age 70 and a half, you, you ha- it's a, it used to be very complicated, as you know, Jordan. You had to keep re- um, recalculating every year, and it, it was really complicated. But now you have to, the year you turn 70 and a half, you have to figure your life expectancy and then take out, you know, one, if it's 20 years, take out one twentieth of the money in your IRA. The idea being, of course, that the government has not gotten any taxes on this money that you've put away for retirement. And so the required minimum distribution is put in place to make sure that they do get taxes and that they get them, they're trying to get all of them before you die. Whereas, as I mentioned with, before with the Roth 401k, there is no required minimum distribution, which I think makes it one of the, it makes it a really attractive. That, that point makes it attractive, I think, beyond the, you know, pre-tax, after-tax. Yeah. Now, you talk uh, in your book about longevity risk. Uh, oh, explain, yeah. what is longevity risk and how should people counteract it? Well... Longevity risk is the way people are using it now. I think is I guess it it stands by itself that it's a, a risk that you'll outlive your money, which has always been a risk. But because of the you know changing demographics and the increasing life expectancy, people uh, it's almost impossible to imagine that not out not outliving your money. If you're just like if you're just taking your you know minimum distributions from your retirement plan or whatever, and you you get to be 85 or 95, are you going to if if you have no more money coming, what will you do? The the these policies that they're designing, um, I often talk to Ethan Craw, who's the 
he's actually at Mercer about this, and he's been really high on these policies where at age 65, you give a lump sum of money to the insurance company, and then at age 85, it pays you a benefit for the rest of your life, which answers the you know, the longevity risk, because that's when you are really likely to, to need it. But it, I think it's a tough sell because a lot of people don't want to give up that chunk of money at age 65. So how would that work? You give them a certain portion of money? I mean, typically, how much money would an insurance company want to make it worthwhile uh, to give them at 65 to start paying at 85? Well, I guess, it, you know, it would be, it would, you would determine how much money you would, you would, um, use to purchase the annuity. And then the, the advantage of the annuity, the advantage slash disadvantage is anybody who dies between 65 and 85 gets no return from that. Yeah. So it's o- only the people, you know, are still alive at 85 who will get be paid. And that makes it a very attractive investment for those who are still alive. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's, I mean, you know how that is to sell that to someone because people don't want to think about that. Yeah. I, I think that it would be, um, I mean, if, if you had the money to do it, it would be a wonderful thing to do. It's kind of like the, the argument for long-term care insurance. It's like uh, you hope you never need it, and, and uh, the people who don't get it are the ones who are going to end up needing it and not have the money to, to cover themselves in many cases. It's the same kind of thing. The, the, the problem the problem of living too long is, is worse in my case than dying too soon and I guess that's happening I mean the fastest growing part of the population today is the 85 plus crowd I think right and so people are living longer so what's happening when they run through their 401k what is happening to those kind of people who, who don't have who are having a longevity problem as you describe it well I, I you know I guess it depends on how much money they have if, if they have if they have lots of money, then it's not a problem. But if you're a person who has saved up the money in your 401k and that plus Social Security is all that you have, I, I, you know, what, what would happen to you then? You'd have to live with children or relatives or you go to a, apply for med, Medica, um, Medicaid and go to a nursing home. I mean, there aren't very many good options. And, of course, by the time you're 85, you may or may not be able to care for yourself as well. Is this something you see happening more and more as people, as particularly as the baby boomers, start getting into these older age groups and have more health problems and are not going to have saved up enough, even though they've had the 401k for most of their working lives? I do think that. I do think that's a great, you know, a, a big problem. And I think that the this um, solution, this longevity insurance is a good one, but it's a, it, it's just, you know, it's a big trade-off. Like, if you tell someone, you know, you buy this and you might get nothing, they might say, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what insurance is about. It's insuring against that's the right. possibility. And, and I always say about insurance, it's the one thing you buy hoping never to use it, because if you need right. to use it, you can't buy it. <laughs> that's right. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mary Rowland, whose new book is called The New Common Sense Guide to Your 401K. We'll be back after this. Okay, how much time do we have in the last segment? Eight to nine. Okay, good. All right, we're trying to touch on everything, Mary. We've got a lot of different things we're talking about here. Okay, we'll... 
Whether the market's up well, or down, we both or if you're this looking lot, to yeah. improve your portfolio, our experts um, are I'm, ready I'm to talk to you. On the, um, Call now, toll free, uh, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are there some specific areas I haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure we get to? Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers okay, Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers right, Network we'll at no charge in order to be apprised of the uh, latest so do you have a website yourself? To learn more, you visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead okay. with Money Answers. Okay. If you're thinking of starting a business or are already in business, tune okay. in as the kitchen table entrepreneur addresses business ownership concerns. Business novice or not, let the kitchen table entrepreneur help you each week as we present and discuss the meat and potato issues of starting and running a business. Join the discussion. There's always room for your thoughts and opinions. The Kitchen Table Entrepreneur is a valuable program you should be tuning into every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to talk football with the greatest wide receiver player and coach in NFL history? Tune in to Wide Open with Andre Ryzen. Andre is ready to talk to you and give his thoughts on the sport. There'll be celebrity guests, coaches, players, artists, and more. He'll go beyond the game with a look from the coach's point of view and feature a high school player each week. Tune in to Wide Open with host Andre Ryzen. Featured Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mary Rowland, a professional financial journalist of well-known renown, uh, whose latest book is called The New Common Sense Guide to Your 401k. Welcome back to the show, Mary. Thanks, Jordan. You were saying that uh, auto invest is a new aspect of 401ks. Explain uh, kind of how that happened and and, uh, is that a good thing to do and, and what kind of effect has that had? Yes, it, this was a, another provision of, we talked a little bit earlier about this Pension Protection Act of 2006, and that act aimed to get more people to invest for retirement, to invest in 401ks, and to invest more money, and to get more education, all of the things that we sort of touched on. And one of the most sweeping um, of those things was it, it provided for automatic enrollment so that when an employee is hired, a company, the employer immediately enrolls that employee in the 401k plan and begins deferring 3% of the employee's salary into the plan. And then in the subsequent years, after a year, 
it's increased to 4%, then 5%, then 6%. So that's um, sweeping, you know, the, the industry. That's bringing so much more money and so many more participants into the plan. So a participant can opt out of that, but if they don't, they're Absolutely. automatically enrolled. Yes, that's right. You're exactly right. That you're automatically enrolled when you start working for the company, and then you have 60 days. If you decide that you don't want that, you can opt out of it. So what are the general trends these days in 401k uh, enrollment? Are, are the percentage of employees going up or down? Up. They're going up. And this is one of the, of the most distinctive changes because some companies are also applying this to their, their regular employees, not just new employees, but the employees they already have. That's not required by the law, but when a company does that, that brings so many more people into the plan right away. A lot of people who join a company say, I'm barely making it. I can't afford to put this money into this 401k. You know, I'll, I'll get to it later. Is that what right. you hear quite a bit? And what is the response to something like that? Well, I, don't you think that that's why they came up with this automatic enrollment? Because the, the idea, as we've told people over our whole careers, is that you take the money out of your paycheck before you get the, the paycheck. And this is really helping people to do that. 3% of their money is gone before they get their paycheck from the, from the first day at the company. And so I think that would encourage people to at least, well, let me try this and see how this works. Yeah, no, that's getting enrollment up. Because I'm hearing other people are feeling that times are so tight that they're, they're disenrolling or in some cases taking the money out. Uh, particularly when the stock market fell so sharply, they were getting just very disenchanted of seeing their balances right. fall very, very sharply. Uh, maybe that's. I wonder how many people did that. I think a lot. I, I mean, a lot of people I yeah. heard anyway. Uh, it, it didn't. It didn't really show up in the statistics, but I'm not sure how they would measure that so that we would get an accurate picture. Yeah, I mean, participation rates. I think got into the mid 70, 70 percent of those eligible were participating. I'm not sure exactly where they are now, but. Um, when the market was falling... 81%. I just saw 81%. That's the current so, number. So that's very good. That, that automatic enrollment probably has helped a lot. Now, this right. 401k, you have a chapters at the end of the book on uh, alternatives to 401ks like 403bs and 457 plans. What are some of the differences between those and 401k plans? Well, the, the 403b is actually older than the, than the 401k. This is a plan that has been available to um, public public employees, teachers, nonprofit employees, especially with teachers. I believe it started in 1957 that they could use a 403B to uh, save money for retirement. But the 403B plans, until recently, were so, so lagging in sophistication to the 401K plans, they were sold individually, you know, that someone might go to your school and roam around the halls and sell you a 403B plan, and who knows what you're getting. There wasn't really a, a effort by the company to screen them or anything. And now 403Bs have had a lot of, of reform, and they the, the rules are very similar to a 401K. The contribution limit is the same and so forth. And how about 457 plans uh, for public employees? Yeah, those have changed dramatically since I wrote the since I first wrote this book. Um, they used to be 
a deferred compensation that had no protection for it, you know, like a, like a, qualif- a non-qualified plan. And now they've been brought in, like 403Bs, they've been brought in line with, um, you know, with 401Ks. Yeah. So it, which, whichever, whether you work for a nonprofit, the government, or the corporate sector, you have pretty much similar kinds of choices in these things, is what you're saying. Right. And they're much, much, much more, prote- you're much more protected than you would have been, you know, in the 403B plans even 10 years ago. Now, the other alternative that is, is annuities. We've talked about it a little bit. Do you think in general it is a good idea? Uh, when you're rolling over money from a 401k to put it into an annuity, either an immediate annuity or a deferred annuity? I, I don't. I, I think because you, if you're rolling the money, well, if you, if you have the option of rolling the money into uh, IRA, where you can continue to de- defer taxes and not pay the expenses for an annuity, I think that that's what you would definitely want to do. Because, as you know, the annuity... Is an investment, but it also has insurance costs because it has longevity pricing and so forth. So I, I don't think you would want to buy an annuity rather than keep you know keep your options open and keep your flexi- flexibility open. Maybe later, you know, you might want to take some of your money to buy a life annuity, an annuity that pays out over your life, and then keep some in investments. The, the one that people are talking about a lot these days are equity-indexed annuities. Uh, which guarantee you a certain, at least you can't lose your money and you participate in the stock market to some extent. Do you think those are a good idea? I I have not examined them as I should have. I mean, I, I wonder, have they just come out recently? Because No, they've been around so for about good. five years or so, but they're really very oh. popular because uh, basically they're saying you can't lose money, but you participate in the upside of the stock market to a certain level. Uh, there's a lot of fees and, and charges involved in these things, but they're certainly very popular because people want a protection against the downside in the market as well as participating in the upside. But would they be better than a tip, I wonder, the uh, Treasury Inflation Protected Bonds? Well, that's really more of an interest play. These would be plays on the stock market one way or the other. You know. so. But it, I, I, I always wonder, don't you, if you're going to give up, you know, if you're going to have it guaranteed, you, you, how much are you giving up on the upside? A lot. <laughs> that's the way yeah. it works. In about a minute we have left, we, we, we have about a minute left, Mary, just maybe a brief summary of, uh, you know, what people should be thinking about 401ks and, and what they can get out of your book in, in making the most of their 401k options. Well, I think that they should be thinking that the 401k is still, if you work for a company and you get a match for the, for the 401k, that is still the best investment that you can make for your retirement money. And we, there's been so much in the press recently that Time had a cover story on you know, should we retire the 401k plan? And I think that if I were an employee at a company, I would ignore the criticism for the moment because there's not, not been any uh, proposed solution that's better than a 401k plan. And I would just keep putting my money in. I would keep putting my money in. I just saw that the most common match now is a dollar for dollar up to... Three or six percent of, of salary, when it, whereas it used to be fifty cents on the dollar, and so Terrific. I think there'll, there'll be you know new things coming that will be better for four hundred one k plan participants, and I think that they definitely should not abandon them. Very good. Oh, it's been fascinating. My guest this hour has been Mary Rowland, 
uh, whose new book is called The New Common Sense Guide to Your 401k, Rebuilding Your Portfolio from the Bottom Up. Thanks so much for being on the show, Mary. Thank you, Jason. It was a, it was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. And we'll be back with you next, next week. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.